just do a prayer if you want to come up, Monica. We can pray for you. Um, yeah, dear Father, we pray for Monica as she brings us the message this morning. Give her a clear voice and give us clear understanding. Amen. Okay, it works. Good morning. I'm glad I don't have to stand behind some words. I find it very, very hard. So I want to start this message um, with a question. What is currently your biggest concern? Your biggest pain? Your biggest worry? Just for a moment, think where's your biggest hurt? Where do you currently need healing? And what would you expect from God? What would make you convinced that he actually knows and hears and, and cares? Just think of, of, of that for a moment. So today we are going to talk about Jehovah the healer, Jehovah Rapha. And uh, we have just been doing a whole series of things. <laughs> it doesn't really work, does it? Can you just carry on to the next slide? That's fine. If it, if it works, fine. If it doesn't, that's fine. You can just click forward. So we have just, for those who don't know, um, been through a whole series on looking at the character of God. And we have looked at uh, different things that these, these Hebrew names mean. Uh, and they say something about the name bearer in Hebrew um, the name is really important. It matters. Your name matters. And it says something about uh, who the name bearer is and uh, obviously who he is as a person. And it was actually synonymous with character. Uh, the name was synonymous about with what, who the person is. Um, shall I try again and click? Nope. Any direction? Doesn't matter, you can click forward. Oh. Something happened. So it was um, synonymous with character and reputation and authority. And actually, most of us will know the third commandment, I hope. You shall not use the name of God in vain. What does vain mean? It means really with no purpose, void. We do that a lot, don't we? Now you might be saying, Monica, you're a bit picky here, right? It, it just slips out like Jesus or something like that. Actually, it matters. God is concerned when we use his name in vain. And actually, the name is so significant. There's one part in the Bible, if you were here, you were probably hearing that at some stage. We read that in Exodus 34. Um, shall I try? Otherwise, just click forward. That's fine. Um, we read in Exodus 34 um, that Moses is there on the mountain, and the Lord descended in a cloud, stood there with him, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. Then the Lord passed in front of Moses and called out, the Lord, the Lord. He is compassionate and gracious slow to anger, abounding in love, devotion, and faithfulness, maintaining love and loving devotion, 
to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. He will visit the iniquity of the fathers on their children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. His name is so important that he declared it to Moses. And for us, it's recorded for us to know who he is. And by the way, Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, he taught us, hallowed be your name. Jesus was concerned with God's name. The name means all that is true of God and all that has been revealed uh, about God. Do you want me to try So we have actually had a whole series on the name of, on the character of God, the names of God. Ian had been speaking about Jehovah, the existing one, the I am, who I am, and the righteousness of God. Then Dan Patterson was visiting and he talked about God welcoming strangers. Bruce last time talked about Jehovah Shalom. The one before, um, actually, Damo talked about the providence of God, how God provides. There's other names of God that we ca cannot dive into today, like Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord is my shepherd. All these names say something about who God is. And God's names reveal um, how he has manifested his name uh, uh, with us so that we can know him better and know about him. There's a slide that would list all those names of God just for your comfort. You are not missing out on much. Oh, yay. Here we go. Wonderful. Thank you. So let's see whether this now works. No? Um, but maybe you can uh, tip to the next slide, if that is possible. Yeah. So these were all the, the names that we have um, partly already covered. Um, the name. Uh, it's really, really important. We read in Daniel um, 11, chapter 11, 32, the people who know their God will be strong and take action. If we know who God is... We will be strong and take action. We will be able to actually live our lives. And we read in Psalm 9, and those who know your name will put their trust in you. Here we go. Um, For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. These are places, and you can find that all over the Bible, where God emphasizes my name is important. I'm telling you who I am. So rely on that. Uh, connect with that. So today we want to look at who is this Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah the, the healer, Je Jehovah who heals me. Uh, actually, some people have said it's wise to avoid this theme <laughs> because you might affect, um, uh, offend anyone. Uh, like if I'm saying one thing or the other thing, people might be offended. But let's just stick actually uh, with what the Bible says. I want to build my theology not on other people's experiences or opinions. I want to build my theology on what the Bible says. Uh, so let's look at what it says, and let's just read together this um, Exodus uh, chapter 15. From, I'm starting from verse 22, and you have lo lots of Bibles there on the chairs. Just if you 
uh, can read along. It's really important. And you also have a little bit of a sheet, a running sheet there, where you can take notes if there's something that you want to take away that's important for you. So we are in Exodus. That's uh, the second book in the Bible, very much in the front there. Chapter 15, and I'm starting from verse 22. Um, and it's actually uh, on the slide as well, but it doesn't matter. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Bad news, right? When they came to Mara, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Mara, which means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there they test, he tested them. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the, near the water. Uh, important numbers there, but let's not dive into those now. We still save, serve that same God. So give, let me give you some context here, right? Moses had just let the, the Israelites out of Egypt. They had been in slavery. They had, you know, suffered for a long, long, long time. They were very unhappy, and Moses had let them out of Egypt uh, where God had done miracle after miracle after miracle. Remember these stories? And God had just instituted the Passover, by the way. He had just brought protection, healing, strength to the Israelites. And God had performed so many miracles, rescuing his people again and again. Actually, they even had crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. Not one Israelite was lost. You can read that in Psalm 105. They actually were celebrating afterwards. Not one Israelite was lost. Not one Israelite was hurt. Not one Israelite was killed uh, or wounded by the enemy. Not one. And then they come to Mara. Here is Mara. Actually, I have no clue whether you can see that, but uh, uh, above Dobka, which is uh, in the middle, and just above that is Mara. So you can see where they actually went through the Red Sea and very close by there is Mara. So they had been praising God. They actually praised God after the, he had let them through. Uh, in chapter 15, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Then verse 11, O Lord, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? And verse 13, in your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. They are full of thanks. They can see this great God who has done all these amazing things for them. Pra praise creates perspective. 
When we were just singing these songs, there were lots of lines in there that would help us to create perspective again. They help us to highlight who God is and help us remember. But then often after great victories come great blows, our greatest tests. And God had accomplished such a great victory, uh, and now he is testing them, says the Bible. They were on the right path, and still there were difficulties. So in just 72 hours, they had forgotten what God had just done for them. Miracle after miracle after miracle, parting the Red Sea, not one of them getting hurt or anything. No, no hair was hurt on them. So notice what the text actually says and what it doesn't say. Um, it actually doesn't say the Israelites at that point were sick, but we'll talk about that, of course, as well. It says they were thirsty, um, and it didn't even occur to them after all these miracles, now they are thirsty. They are really at the end, right? If you, if you go into the desert for one day, no water, hard. If you go for two days, harder. After three days, you probably think similar to what Mark shared earlier. He was under the water here. To what much water? They, well, it was, bit, it was bitter water as well. You couldn't drink that. But suddenly, they've forgotten and they come, cannot even have the idea of, hey, God, actually, um, you've just proven yourself to us. You have just like made ways through the Red Sea. You have saved us again and again and again. What about what do you want us to do? Where are you? Can you tell us what we should do next? They didn't, that didn't occur to them at all. So there's actually three incidents in these chapters. Um, in uh, Exodus 15, there is these waters. They are thirsty. They ask God for water, and it's just bitter water. Uh, oh, they, they hadn't asked at that point. There, there was bitter water. And then through God's intervention, it was made sweet. In the next chapter, in chapter 16, actually, they grumble again. Just a little bit later, right? There's no food. And God provides for the next 40 years for meat and bread, the manna. And then in chapter 17, they grumble again for water again. They haven't learned their message, their, their lesson. Does that remind us of ourselves <laughs> a little bit? Uh, in chapter 17, they again grumble for water, and God instructs Moses to strike a rock with his uh, staff, and he provides water. But every single time, again and again and again, they do not ask God, what do you want us? How do you want to heal us? We trust in God. So Moses was leading them in the right direction, and still there were difficulties. And look, that applies to us as well. We can go into the right direction, and still there might be difficulties. It's really important to not see that as judgment of God, but to to understand uh, that there, there's more to this story. So we'll talk about that. And even in, in Jesus' days, people thought that that way. Like, remember the blind man? And the people asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, neither. So you can read that in John 9, verses 2 to 3. So they are here in the desert, 
and uh, it's really hard for them. And by the way, pain can be not just physical, it can be very much emotional and in our thoughts and feelings and experiences, which should I give some neuroscience to this? No, I won't. Now the difference here is, Moses, we, we are reading, uh, Moses cried out to the Lord. The people were grumbling. When you complain, when you complain, you elevate your circumstances above God's power. When you cry out to God, you elevate God's power over your circumstances. That's really important. If you complain, you elevate your circumstances above God's power. And when you cry out to God, you elevate God's power, God's ability, knowing God's name above your circumstances. So you may, might be ro uh, focusing on the wrong thing. We often re read in the Psalms, come magnify the Lord with me. If we magnify God, which we did with our praise songs before, we actually correct our vision. When we magnify God, it's not because God needs to be magnified. It's because we need that perspective, the right perspective. God has not abandoned you. So I'd like you for a minute to think and maybe take a note on that sheet that I've given you. Think a little bit back. We've just criticized the Israelites for after 72 hours having forgotten all these amazing miracles. And then they come again and again and again and crumble, not crumble, yeah, that as well probably. <laughs> think for a minute through your life. And we did that a little bit before when Mark encouraged us to share this with each other. Where can you see God's hand on your life? Jot down one or two points where you can see, hang on, if I really think about it, even if I'm currently having some trouble, there's God, he's there, he's been all the time, he's in fact carried us all our lives. I can testify to that. Think for yourself. It's actually good to keep a kind of a diary somewhere at home and write down from time to time, where has God come through in your life as the healer? So the Bible tells us God tested them. Guess what? The test, when you do a test, the teacher is silent. Remember tests that you set? The teacher is silent. And he actually expects to, uh, to bring out that what he has already taught you, right? So <laughs> in this case, Actually, uh, I remember lots of tests like uni stuff and school stuff and nursing stuff and oh, whatever. Do you, don't you love those tests where you have an open book exam? God's test is an open book exam. So people do get sick and there's actually, um, I would say, in my view, four basic reasons that the scriptures give us why people get sick. One is people die of natural causes. They just get sick. So, for example, uh, we read in Samuel, 1 Samuel, that Eli, the priest, became sick. He became frail. Um, there is Lazarus. Do you, in the New Testament, remember Lazarus? Lazarus became sick and died. 
Now, Jesus came and bring, brought him back to life, but that was temporary. The physical healing is temporary. God is concerned about so much more than our comfort in our body. There's more. So people get sick and die of natural causes, medical causes, medical conditions. Then the another reason to get sick is uh, sickness can be for discipline. You read in 1 Corinthians 11 um, that Paul is telling the people there about blatant sins they have committed around uh, relationships and around the Lord's, uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper. And there is, they have been dishonoring the Lord's Supper. And Paul mentions some of you have become sick because of that. Get things right. We read in the Old Testament about King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah again became sick as a matter of discipline, and God clearly communicates that to him. Another reason why people get sick is, what we are told from the scriptures, for the glory of God. Now that's a difficult one. In John 9, verse 17 to 19, we read about this blind man where they're asking, has he sinned or have his parents sinned? And Jesus says it's for the glory of God. So sometimes God allows sickness so that he gets the glory. He can come through. He can prove himself. Sometimes it, it is a manifestation, can be a manifestation of God's power. So people get sick naturally. There is sickness for discipline. There is some sickness for the glory of God. And then the Bible also mentions sickness from the enemy. There's, for example, in the New Testament, one uh, woman in Luke 13, a woman who has had 18 years of blood flow. And uh, the Bible tells us that it was by an evil spirit. Yeah? I'm just going from what I read in my Bible. So there's this Old Testament concept of sickness, and my dictionary actually says it can refer to standard medical conditions, but also the word, simply the word, refers to states of weakness, of tiredness, and of pain. When we read the Bible, we need to understand what it's saying, not just in English, but in its whole meaning from its origin. It's not about just, I've cut my finger, that's not what it's, sickness is about. A sickness is also about weakness, tiredness, pain. Uh, it could be of, even of moral, spiritual, or relational um, origin. It's connected to all areas of life, sickness and healing. Healing, my dic dictionary says, refers to restoration or making whole in a variety of contexts. A sick body, repairing a broken altar, the word is used for uh, repairing a broken altar in the Old Testament, Re restoring infertile land, and making undrinkable water drinkable. So healing is a much broader concept than just what we would like, what we would wish to see and hear. So just as sickness, uh, sickness, disease, and death are not always signs of unrighteousness, so also good health and a long life actually are not always signs of righteousness. Really important to understand. So uh, Jesus says, for example, he gave sight to the blind man and at the same time refuting the idea that sickness is always caused by sin. Yeah? 
Okay, so there is five ways of healing that I can see. So there is a, a first group, and that's a religious landscape. I would call this first group the sensationalists. <laughs> they are the so-called faith healers, or the, uh, you know, there are some flamboyants, uh, sometimes you have to pay for parking. Um, it's an, a psychological issue. Some stories that we hear, amazing. Some stories, it didn't work. Is it fraud? We don't know. But it's interesting. It's very much, the focus is actually the opposite of what Jesus did when he healed. Uh, so Jesus kept a low folk, uh, profile and his focus was on God. But this healing there is very much a sensationalist healing. Another group of uh, people, um, I would call that they have a conditional faith. So this is called the name it and claim it movement. You might have heard of that. So it's actually uh, the, word, the faith uh, that you put into a situation, then you are healed. And interesting enough, if you're not healed, it's never God's fault. It's always your fault because you, are, you haven't prayed enough, right? It's not the preacher's fault, definitely not. You haven't prayed enough. So that's conditional faith in, in healing. Then there are the anti-supernaturalists. They believe, um, you know, it's, uh, healing is a matter of the past. It's Bible stuff. Uh, it doesn't happen today. They think very scientifically, can't be. Healing doesn't happen these days anymore. Then there is the Christian rationalists. They think that sickness is an illusion. You have just to change your thinking, think differently about it. And suddenly, sickness is not there as well anymore. It's not true. If we've just sang earlier Psalm uh, 32, um, and we sang about the valley of death and darkness, we have to acknowledge that this is true. We are having de death and darkness and, and illness in our lives. And lastly, there is a group that I would like uh, to call the integration group. They integrate medical, spiritual, biblical knowledge together. And basically what they say is God has given us a brain. God has helped us and enabled us to uh, develop medicine, to de develop vaccines, uh, and we are supposed to use those. Um, he, has, he can sometimes heal that way through doctors. Um, there are supernatural uh, healings, uh, but he always has a specific purpose with everything he does, with the illness and with the healing. And there's also a lot of our lifestyle that plays into it. Do I smoke? Do I drink? Do I actually look after my, myself regularly with times of breaks, Sabbath days? Sundays, where we don't do anything. Relationships, do I keep my relationships up to date? That's not outside of what God wants to address. So what does the Bible just briefly actually say about healing? And the miraculous chapter there, the important chapter is James chapter 5. Uh, if you want to know how God says we should think about healing, um, then go to James 5, where he gives us instructions for the physically ill. And what he says is, first of all, call the elders of the church. Can I point out that it's actually the responsibility of you, not the elders? <laughs> Just side margins. The responsibility is with us to call the elders, 
Then the elders can, elders can anoint with oil. Now, coming from Old Testament, oil, olive oil was actually a medical uh, thing being used often. So uh, use the medicine, basically. Use what you have. And then ask God um, to, to intervene. In Mark 11, we have a similar context. So uh, the, uh, we, we hear that prayer offered in faith by godly people who pray in the name of the Lord under the will of God. However, that does not mean that God always does what I want. Think of Paul, St. Paul. He had a, an ailment. He prayed three times. Now, if God would listen to anyone, it would be Paul, right? And God said, no. My grace is sufficient for you. God does not always heal in the way that we want. So sometimes healing is, is happening, but it is temporary. Think of Lazarus. He was uh, healed temporary, and then later he died anyway. In Malachi chapter 4, we read, But for you who revere my name... The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its strength. So healing, the word rafa, uh, is a primitive root and it main, means to mend, to cure, to cause, to heal. To, uh, uh, it, it also means physician. It means repair. It means heal thoroughly and make whole. So Rafa refers to wellness and soundness, both physically and spiritually. So for Israel, the healing is actually found in repentance and returning to God. It's found in a relationship with God. The surrounding nations, for them, sickness was clearly induced by demons and so the surrounding nations would look for the cause and then use magic and lots of stuff. The Israelites were supposed to run back to God and to cry out to God and repair the relationship with God. So it's interesting, just a little snippet from our own um, background experience. Those of you who know us know that we've lived in Papua New Guinea for some years. And I remember one of the young girls there in the school of nursing uh, that was attached to the hospital uh, was, was falling ill pretty severely. And uh, we knew her, like we were teaching worship songs to them and playing guitar, and she was an avid guitar player and really keen on learning these new songs from us and participating, and then she got ill. And her fellow um, nurse, nurse students loved her very much, so they came to, to church. And they prayed for her. And I was chatting to them afterwards. And they said, well, actually, we have to go because uh, we go to the well, which is outside, towards the next uh, village to offer some sacrifices to the spirits. Because who knows? If that God is not powerful enough, that was the implication, we have to cover all bases. How sad is that? And how often do we find ourselves covering all bases, just rather than running to God. Um, so healing is used in the sense of restoring to normal. And such healing not only involves Java's unmerited love 
and faithfulness and favor, but also the nation's repentance. So we are reading in Jeremiah 51, if you want to ch um, <coughs> uh, jump to that, Jeremiah 51. Um, and I'm reading from verse 8 and 9. So Jeremiah, the prophet here, records God speaking. Jeremiah 51, verses 8 and 9. Babylon will suddenly fall and be broken. Wail over her. Actually, uh, I am not sure whether that... Um, uh, we would have healed Babylon, but she cannot be healed. Let us leave her and each go to his own land, for her judgment matches to the skies. It rises as high as the clouds. So uh, Jeremiah here is talking about where the relationship has gone wrong. But I've actually not meant those verses to read them. I read them from my printout. Because later the people understand that things have not gone well with them. So finally they come to their senses and they say, Come, let us return unto Yahweh, unto God unto the Jehovah Rapha, for he has torn and he will heal us. Jehovah promises, I will restore health unto you, in Jeremiah 30 that is, and I will heal you of your wounds, says Jahweh. And even foreign cities and powers can know Jahweh's, Yahweh's healing um, if they repent. So we read through Jeremiah a few times and in a few places about that. John the Baptist, when he asked Jesus, are you the one that we are waiting for? And he sent his disciples. What does Jesus do? He, paints, he points first to his healing ministry. Why? Because God is Jehovah Rapha. He is God. Healing is not just an occasional thing that God does when he feels like it. <laughs> healing is who God is, what God is. The touch of the master's hand in our lives brings healing and wholeness. So it, it is said of Jesus that he was going around and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So what do we take out of that? Complaining, grumbling, doesn't actually solve problems, right? And if we try, try what the Israelites did, and we do that in our own lives, if we try to run away, from the problem. Like, let's go back to Egypt, right? <laughs> we'll meet the same problems there again. And in the new place, we'll still have to solve them. Running away is not going to do it. Of course, the heart of every problem is a matter of the heart. So the challenge then that we are taking away from who God is as the Jehovah Rapha, the healer, is First of all, we need to consider who Jehovah Rapha is, so we need to know who God is. What does our Bible really say? Does it say, if you have a sickness, just pray enough, have enough faith, go to a faith healer, go to a miraculous whatever, and then if you are not healed, it's your fault? Know your God. Know God's names. That's not what God stands for. Cry out to him is the second point. That's what Moses did. Moses did the right thing. 
there's a problem, and he does that again and again and again. And can I encourage you, as you read your Bible and you read maybe through Exodus, just as a little exercise, take out a green pen and highlight whenever Moses is crying out to God, or even the people are turning to God rather than doing their own thing. So it is important we know who God is. It is important to cry out to him. It is important that we do what we can to live healthy lives. He's given us commandments, but not only that, he's also given us a brain. We know what's good for us. We also know what's not good for us. It's not healthy to overspend and then stress and agonize about not having enough money. It's not healthy for us to eat when we are not hungry. It's not healthy for us to smoke or to use drugs. We know that. Let's do what we understand uh, is the right thing to do as healthy lives. And lastly, we are to be his image bearers. We are having to, we, we should strive to live in peace with each other, reconciliation. Let's repair relationships. If you can think right now of a relationship that's not okay, jot it down on your piece of paper. Maybe this is something you need to look into. Maybe this is something that you should consider and sort out. And it will actually bring you back to health. There's research that shows that people who come to church regularly once or more a week, so you're in the right place clearly, have actually better health. They have less depression, what, what was uh, less depression, less anxiety, longer, longer, live longer. They have less heart disease. <laughs> Is that surprising? In, in Timothy chapter 2, we read that for, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Jehovah Rapha is the God of health, not sickness. He wants to restore us. He's a God of wholeness, not disease. He's a God of restoration, not destruction. God is for you. God wants you to be whole. He's a God who mends and repairs, and God, a God of life, not death. What's God's plan for us? Here's our Jeremiah 29, 11. Many people know that. What's the, what's the sense, what's the purpose if we are in difficult times? What's the thing that when we have uh, illness or difficulty, what are we waiting for? God's plan is, what he speaks into our lives is, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. God is much more concerned about our character and our salvation than he is about our comfort. God is much more concerned about our character, our heart, our relationship to him than he is about our comfort. That doesn't mean that he doesn't heal. Sometimes he chooses to heal. But it's not a machine where you put a dollar in the top and then at the bottom comes out your little present. God is not predictable that you say, okay, God, if you are true, then do this so I will know. That's not what God is like. God, Jehovah, Rapha, is concerned with our healing outside and inside. 
So it's all about, about our relationship with God, and um, just, I, I just want to leave us with this psalm. This is what we need in terms of healing. That's our prayer. Create in me a clean heart, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me, a steadfast spirit that knows who you are and trusts in you and asks, Lord, what do you want me to have? Rather than, we don't have water, we don't have food, we, I'm, I'm, I have pain, I am sick. Yes, you may, and this is valuable and, and important uh, to understand. But God is waiting for us to come back into the relationship. And sometimes that means miraculous healing. Not always. But it always means this other side of heaven where life is waiting. And we sang that earlier, and Mark was uh, referring to it as well. When he had suddenly peace and knew, well, even if I die, I know where I'm going. That's healing. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you will soften our hearts as we dive into your word and understand that you are about your relationship with us, your waiting, your calling as the Jehovah Rapha who wants to heal our hearts, our relationships, our thoughts, our worries, our anger. Lord, we pray that you will speak into our lives and will turn our hearts towards you, softening them towards you, understanding that healing is more than just physical comfort. Thank you, Lord, that you are able to give us this assurance that with you, the other side of heaven, this side of heaven there is sickness and disease, but the other side of heaven will be perfect with you. And we hear your calling out to us. Hey, I love you. I want to restore a relationship with you. Help us to respond to that today. Amen.